friends, it has been quite a while since we have been on the air, but we are back to close out our season. It may go without saying that this year has been quite the roller coaster, and all that chaos for us has been concentrated over the last three months. But alas, we overcome. We are here to present our final featured work of the season, and for us there has been a lot of anticipation surrounding this piece. This piece, called Social Distancing by Pete Stavros, is the first we have chosen that addresses the year that we have all been through. Pete is one of the many lovely people who have submitted work to us through our email, and once we read it, we wanted so much to be able to prepare this piece for you guys. Pete was gracious enough to allow us to use it, and so we thank him not only for writing it, but also giving us the opportunity to show it to you guys. This piece features two characters, Alex and Terry, who are experiencing the pandemic in its first stages with vastly different reactions. As we have all been hunkered down for these last eight, nine, ten <laughs> months, I feel like we can all see ourselves in both Alex and Terry and how we have found a way to make it through these unprecedented times. As a heads up, we are going to put a content warning in here for strong language, so if that is something that makes you uncomfortable, we would suggest you sit this one out. So, for the last time this season, let the metaphorical curtain lift. is so fucked up. Why are you staring out the window? I'm looking for it. Looking for what? The virus. The virus? Really? What do you expect to see? I don't know, like a dark fog or something? A mist? I don't think that's how it works. I know. Fuck! This is so fucked up! A pandemic. What is this? The Middle Ages? Come back over here. Just relax. They'll figure it out. Who? Congress? The president? The vice president. Christ, have you seen that guy? Does he look like someone who can figure anything out? Just, just relax, okay? We'll be fine. They said shelter in place. Yeah, yeah. Shelter in place. Shelter in place. We've been cooped up here in our apartment, sheltering in place. What does that even mean? It means stay inside. And chill, okay? That's all we can do right now. Just chill. Chill. Uh-huh. Right. That's easy for you to say. You didn't quit your job and then have a goddamn pandemic break out the next day. I mean, how fucked up is that? My timing is for shit. You've been meaning to quit your job for a while now. You didn't know a pandemic was going to break out the next day. Now, just relax. Everything will work out. The stock market is tanking. There's no more toilet paper. Bonnaroo got cancelled. Fucking Tom Hanks caught the virus. Tom Hanks, for Christ's sakes. He's the one person you turn to in a crisis like this, and he caught the goddamn virus. This is so fucked up. Listen, if you don't relax, you're not gonna make it. It hasn't even been a week yet. You've got to relax. That's exactly my point. It hasn't even been a week yet, and this is already so fucked up. How am I supposed to find a new job when everyone is sheltering in place? How am I supposed to get more toilet paper? Do we even have enough wine? And not Merlot. I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot. Hey, I mean it, Alex. You have got to calm down. You're going to drive yourself crazy. You're going to drive me crazy. Now, come on, do I have to drag you from that window? Step back. They said six feet. Step back. What? Six feet apart, they said. Now step back. You're gonna get us both killed. Just let me look out the window. Oh, it's out there. I just know it. Goddamn virus waiting for us to screw up like that. I don't think that goes for us. The six feet apart... We've been here together, just you and I, without any symptoms. I think we're okay. I think we can get closer to each other than six feet. You don't know that. You're not a scientist or Congress or the vice president. Christ, have you seen that guy? This is so fucked up. We are so fucked. You have got to take your mind off of it. Why don't we play a game? How about charades? You like charades. I don't know. Come on, to take your mind off of it. You go first. Come on, it'll be fun. Fine. Here goes. 
Oh, okay. Uh, um, a movie. Uh-huh. Okay, two words. Uh, mm-hmm. First word, n- not in, but out. Out. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first word is out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, second word. Uh, something that is uh, snapped in half? No, no, no. Uh, broken. Something that's broken in half? Broken. Uh, no. Break? Mm-hmm. The second word is break? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, outbreak. Outbreak. It's the movie Outbreak. Yep, you got it. Congratulations. Outbreak? Really? I didn't know how to charade contagion. Alex, please. You have got to stop thinking about this. You need to relax. How can I relax when Armageddon is happening right outside our window? Am I supposed to just, like, Netflix and chill? Mm, That would be nice. It has been a while. That would get your mind off of this. I know it would for me. Please get your mind out of the gutter. And anyway, I feel gross. The gyms are closed, the salons too. Who would want to be with me? I want to be with you. You have to say that. No, I don't. Why do I have to say that? Because we're already together. I can't still find you attractive? Or unattractive, whatever the case may be? Whoa, you wouldn't dare leave me now. And out of shape, out of work. I'm just saying. I don't have to say that. But I do. I do say that because I do want to be with you. If you would only just relax. Ah! It's here. The virus is here for us. Well, it was nice knowing you, Terry. Wait a minute. Oh, see, outside, that's just the pad thai I ordered. Contactless delivery. Thank you. I already included the tip. Uh, Stay healthy. Be careful, Terry. It could be a trick. It's not a trick. It's pad thai. Yum. Here, smell. Hold on. Before you do anything, let me spray the bag first. Alex, do you think that's necessary? I've got bleach wipes, too, if you think that's better. It is good to be cautious, but you might be overdoing it. Seriously, you need to relax. You're gonna drive yourself crazy. This whole situation is driving me crazy. Contactless delivery, shelter in place, social distancing. When is this gonna end, huh? When is this going to end? We are so fucked. Christ, if everyone would have, if everyone would have just washed their fucking hands. Alex, why don't you embrace this? Accept it for what it is and find the silver lining. The silver lining. The silver lining? What have you been smoking, the silver lining? The apocalypse is nigh, Terry. It's nigh. (laughs) Okay. First off, when did you start using nigh in casual conversation? I read it in a book. When did you start reading books? I read books. I fucking read books. I read one last night when I couldn't sleep because this is all so fucked up. I'm a nervous wreck. I could just lose my shit at any second. Well, there you go. There I go what? There's something you haven't done before. Read a book. I fucking read books. I'm not some moron. When's the last time you read a book? I don't know. Like, last summer at the beach, maybe. Or was that just a thick magazine? Or a catalog? I can't remember. So then one good thing to come out of this is that you're reading books again. I told you, Terry. I read books. I'm not some fucking... Ah, wait. I get what you're saying. You see? Now what else are you doing that you haven't done before before all this? I Skyped with my mom. Nearly gave the old lady a heart attack. I hardly ever call her, let alone Skype. I didn't even know she knew how to Skype. I didn't know how to Skype until I looked it up on the internet. Alright then, that's something else. A couple things. You learned how to Skype, and you called your mom. What else? What else? Shit, I don't know. I made a grilled cheese for lunch yesterday. You're cooking, Alex! Isn't that something? Just a fucking grilled cheese. I wouldn't get too bent out of shape over it. But yeah, come to think of it, I guess that is something. What do you know? Normally, what would you do for lunch? Normally, before all this bullshit, I would drive down to Hank's, meet up with the gang, get the daily special, usually a meat and three sides. And a drink? Yeah, sure, a drink. Soda or tea. Sometimes coffee. Why? How much for all that? For the daily special? $9.99, plus tax and tip. And another buck and a half for the drink. So you're saving money, too, by not eating out, having grilled cheeses at home instead. 
Or a tuna melt. I made a tuna melt one day. Oh, or a tuna <laughs> melt. And you're not driving, so you're saving gas money. And you're helping to save the environment because there are less emissions going into the air. You see, Alex, this isn't so bad when you think about it. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's not so bad when you think about it. When you don't think about how fucked up this is because, Christ, this is so fucked up. Alex, now come, come. What else are you getting out of this? I'm getting high fucking blood pressure out of this is what I'm getting. Alex, the silver lining. Remember, you need to find the silver lining. Yeah, yeah, the silver lining. The silver lining. Okay, let me think. Let me think. Um, I don't know. You tell me. What about doing nothing? When was the last time you just sat around and did nothing? You know I can't just sit around and do nothing. That fucking makes me nuts. I gotta be doing something. That's why this is driving me crazy. So maybe it's time for you to learn to do nothing. Or better yet, to meditate. Do you meditate? Do I act like someone who fucking meditates? So maybe now's the time to meditate. Now's the time to do all of the things you haven't had a chance to do before. Because we're stuck here, right? This is the hand we've been dealt. The hand we've all been dealt. And until they figure this out... They need to figure this shit out, goddammit! Until they figure this out... This is our life now. <sighs> yeah. You know, you might be right. And maybe it's not so bad after all. And something else, I want to be with you too. Now get over here and give me a hug. <gasps> Are you sure? We won't be six feet <laughs> Come apart. Come here, you. There. That's better. Now how about we go for a walk? What do you say? We can still go outside for a walk. Making sure to keep our distance from others. Fuck No. I don't want to go outside for a walk. Are you kidding me? That goddamn virus is outside, just lurking, waiting for us to come out. No fucking way! I'm going to make a grilled cheese and Skype with my mom. Maybe play a game of charades with her. The old lady still got it, I'm telling you. Still sharp in the mind. But you know, you need to do something. You've just been sitting on the couch all day. Maybe read a fucking book. No, oh, yeah, maybe I'll read a fucking book. Alrighty, so that was Social Distancing by Peter J. Stavros. Thanks again to Peter for your submission. So let's get into it. We usually ask our playwrights to submit a bio to be read on the podcast, but since life has been absolutely crazy, we didn't get the chance to this time. However, he has a website, peterjstavros.com, which has a wonderful bio in the About section. Here it is. Peter J. Stavros is an award-winning author and playwright. His book of short stories, Three in the Morning and You Don't Smoke Anymore, won the Etchings Press 2020 Book Prize for a chapbook of prose. A former reporter for the Associated Press, Peter has published his writing in literary journals, anthologies, newspapers, and magazines, including a humor piece on the pitfalls of tandem kayaking for married couples in the Boston Globe magazine, and a series of short stories chronicling the fictional community of Birchwood Village in the Saturday Evening Post. As a playwright, Peter's plays have been produced across the country, with one reviewer commenting that he wowed Kentucky Festival of 10-Minute Plays audiences in 2017 with Squirrels in a Knothole, a dark comedy about squirrels watching cubicle workers. Squirrels in a Knothole, PMA and the Beast, Resisting, and Geese are some of his plays that have received audience choice accolades at various festivals. Geese was also selected for the first season of the virtual theater festival, The Big Break. In 2020, Peter was elected to the board of directors of the Kentucky Playwrights Workshop. Peter earned a BA in English from Duke University, where he received the prestigious Newman Ivy White Award for Fiction, and studied creative writing on a graduate level at Emerson College and Harvard University. Aside from writing, Peter has worked as a gospel radio DJ, he sold t-shirts out of a push cart on the streets of downtown Boston, and he once swam across the frigid waters of the San Francisco Bay from Alcatraz Island to Marina Green Beach. Peter writes fiction, creative nonfiction, essays, and plays. Originally from Queens, New York, he lives in Louisville, Kentucky with his wife. He is available to speak, virtually for now, to book clubs or writing groups, or for podcasts. 
please use the contact form on his website. We definitely suggest you check out his website. Again, that's peterjstavros.com. This concludes our research portion. All right, and now we are moving into my favorite time, the discussion <laughs> section. Um, and first I wanted to say, you know, reading that piece was very interesting because in a lot of ways, a lot of what I felt very early on in this whole lockdown were reflected there, but then also a lot of what I'm just now coming to feel of still being in lockdown it's were almost, also present. Yeah, it's almost therapeutic. Yeah, it's it's nice to see such a genuine like storytelling that yeah. I feel so connected to by someone I've never met before. Yeah. But it's definitely a unifier, this experience, you know, for all of the horrific things and all of the good things. You know, it's definitely something we can all say, yep. I lived through that. Yeah, something we all have gone through. <laughs> yeah, so first I want to talk about the characters. Now, an interesting fact about the script that we got to see, that you guys didn't get to see, is that in the character descriptions, when it talks about who Alex and Terry are, it says they are a person with certain characteristics. It does not define a gender. It does not define, you know, a right. sexual orientation or gender expression or anything like that. And I thought that was so refreshing because in the journey of this season, we've had to turn down a lot of really good work that we feel we could not portray. represent or portray because of the gender identity of right. the characters. And so when we read this piece, we were so excited about it, and then we got that relief of, A, this piece is written accessibly. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody can be Alex and Terry. You know, it's not very specific and, you know, caging. It can be truly anybody, and that gave us the opportunity to be able to do it. Right, and I think that's just reflective, too, about what we just said about it. I mean, this whole pandemic has been a unifying experience for everybody. Yes, every person, every walk of life has been impacted in some way. So it's meaningful that anybody can just step into these characters yes. because we've all been there. Well, and it was very nice, too, because then we got to read the characters and say, okay, who are we? You yeah. know, who did who did we relate to a lot, you know? And I feel like we both had our moments of being Terry. Yeah. But I felt very early on very much into Terry's role. And it was much harder on Zach. And now the longer we've been in lockdown, the harder it is on me. Yeah. And it seems like just from my perspective, it's gotten a little bit easier because you've adjusted to this normal in a way that I haven't. Right. And it doesn't help. I mean, you work from home and I go out, I go to campus, I go around, I have photography mm -hmm. shoots, I have stuff like that, you know? I leave and come back. This is like your my entire world right is currently in our living room so <laughs> that's been fun um, right but i definitely i think the and you know we've we've moved homes we've done you know we've done a lot of transitioning right. um in a lot of ways big ways our environment has changed but it truly is you know i get to sit at a desk and then I get to stand up and turn around and go sit on the couch that is three yeah. feet away. So I really relate to Alex now. Um, right. But Terry was, you know, the role I felt comfortable in for a really long time. Right. Um, when we read something, our brain automatically, you know, categorizes or, you know, uh, qualifies things in our mind. So I don't know about you, but when I first read the piece, I assigned you know, identities to these people. And I actually saw them as a gay couple, as two men. Okay. And I thought it was cool the way that the script enabled that image to come to, to life right. for me. And so it, that's just another example. These people can really be anybody. And it truly takes it to the level of, well, how are we going to portray this right. to fit who we are? Um. For political commentary, you know, it doesn't name COVID, <laughs> but right. I think we can assume. And, and it doesn't name the president. Yeah, it doesn't name president. our leadership. Um, but I, I think that's a bit of a strong word, leadership. <laughs> well, I'm going to draw the conclusion that <laughs> we're talking about Trump and Pence here. Yeah. And the inabilities and shortcomings 
of what our executive branch has been. And I think no matter your political affiliation, you have suffered at the hands of this inability. And so it was nice to see the nod of, I recognize... I recognize that inability, but it not being a piece about your political alignment. It didn't, you know, throw that up. And for me, it was kind of refreshing to be able to recognize and think about the politics involved in this situation without having to defend myself or defend my beliefs or hear about beliefs that are, you know difficult or painful or hard for me to discuss especially with people i love so it was really nice to have the nod of yes this is politics is an aspect of this experience but not having to enter into that conversation of what do you believe who are you going to vote for you know right and i i don't think that an acknowledgement of more could be done Mm -hmm. is overtly bold i don't you know? know it's not picking a side it's it's just uh, no matter what more could be done we everybody could do more yeah I mean, we could all you know step it up we could all make more personal choices that are right. bettering the collective health you know it wasn't saying but it's not like saying like oh your side is bad and yeah. you should feel bad it's saying listen things no matter who is in charge more could be done for mm-hmm. for everyday people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think another time that you can see how, I think, early in this experience of ours that this piece is supposed to reflect is it talks about Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like, and, like, and that what happened a right tragedy, at the folks. Yeah. My heart shattered. I love Tom Hanks. I hope nah, he's, he's listening. He's, well, he's healthy <laughs> he's now. Thank the good Lord above. You um, hope he's listening. I wish nothing but health and happiness for he and his wife. I yeah. love them so much. They're good. They're um, good. But that really reflects, you know, either when this was written or when it was meant to reflect because that was very early on. Yeah. Now when we talk about this pandemic, the first, at least in my experience, the first thing we talk about is how many people have died? Yeah. Where is the number now? Yeah. You know, early on it was where can you get masks? Where can you get toilet paper? Actually, early on it was not taken as seriously it, and it, it I mean, still listen, is not I know, to a point a <laughs> lot of people in a lot of places still do not take this as seriously as it should be taken mm-hmm. however i think a lot of us weren't taking it i mean there were jokes all over the internet about it mm-hmm. there were people i mean people uh, more people than now uh, rational people saying like, oh, well, masks, I don't know. They, I mean, they haven't been totally proven. And then CDC came out and said, no, wear a mask. And everybody was like, okay. Please do that, yeah. I know for myself, you know, I've always been more of a, you know, trusting in, in science oh, and numbers. Yeah, and absolutely. so when this started kind of blowing up in China, it was like, okay, let's keep our eyes on it. You know, I was interested in to see how the Chinese government would handle it and what information they would and would not release, you know, from a political aspect, but also, you know, how the people were responding. And then it got to us and it became a, I had this false sense of security in how my government was going to handle this. Well, because the last time. The last time they warned us about, well, there was, of course, Ebola. And I I mean, there was like three cases here. It was a very, very low number of cases, very, very low number of fatalities. And it felt like. We even had a fatality of a U.S. citizen. I think we had a few. Um, But, you know, that happened. I remember when we were in elementary school, there was the swine flu. And everyone said, oh, this isn't your average flu. You know, this is deadly. This is dangerous. I had that. You, well, yeah, gross. But Zach had that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so you have people, you know, that went through it. It sucked, but they got through. But I remember, you know, kids in my class, parents keeping them home just for yeah. fears yeah. of getting sick. And then those played out the way they did. And then we get to COVID and people are like, oh, it's like the swine flu. And it very much is not. And so I remember thinking, okay, I got to get masks. I got to be able to get that for us. Um, But how pressing is it? You know, 
my job. We work in, you know, a bullpen style office with cubicles. We had to transition to a different building temporarily where we were still in an open air environment, but without the dividers right. of, right. um, you know, the desk walls. Well, and, and I mean, I remember you started working from home a lot later than a lot of people. Yeah. Well, and then they, we lasted five days before our company, you know, kind of realized this is no joke. You know, I think they did a great job of monitoring, but they were like, you know, because I work, I do home visiting. I go out into the community every day. So illness is always something on our radar. You know, exposure is always something that we think about, but it became a, you need to go home and not come back here. Right. Because at the end of the day, monitoring is not preventative. And that's what a lot of people don't get is that a lot of what we do is preventative Mm-hmm. you know like masks well yeah and this conversation kind of leads in you know they are alex and terry they were a weekend yeah so a weekend for us <laughs> oh my god was oh my god oh, it's something else man but a week i remember a weekend for us because we had it was march march 20th mm-hmm. was the first day or the last day actually that i worked in an office that following Monday was my first day working from home. And that first week of being in true quarantine and working from home and not leaving and not going anywhere and only grocery shopping when absolutely necessary, I th- I thought I was dying then. Yeah. And I'm not an overly social person. Well, I, <laughs> to be fair, though, everyone was saying mid-March, around when this first started to really hit the U.S. Well, our area. And yeah, and in, our area. in Northeast Florida. But when this first started to come around, there was a lot that was different. First of all, when we got our first case in Northeast Florida, everybody, everything shut down. And now what? We're getting thousands of cases a day in Florida and everything is open with oh, no restrictions. Oh my gosh, guys. And it is the wild it west. It is like the here. wild west down here. But also. Everyone was saying this will be over next month. This will be over by oh, well, summer. We were talking about summer plans. Yeah. We were talking about, well, if things are better by June, we'll try to, you know, go visit family. Yeah. If they, and then it became July and then August. And then I don't know if it's going to happen this year. Yeah. And it was so crazy to think of, you know, in well, March. And, and it wasn't even just like quote unquote normal people that are going about their lives it it wasn't just us saying like oh well hopefully it'll be over it was like powerful people too like i remember elon musk when this first started he tweeted something like oh it'll be over by april don't worry Mm -hmm. well it's november elon well and our (laughs) our governor our mayor mayor lenny curry oh oh god love jacksonville nope has not been in my opinion a great support to our community. You know, I work with the most vulnerable people in our communities and they did not, for one reason or another, receive the stimulus from the federal government. Most of them did not. And then Jacksonville came up with a citywide stimulus where you could apply, I believe it was $1,000. Yeah, something like that, 1000 to 1200 And you like could that. apply, and I will say the application parameters were wide to try to make sure that a lot of people could apply, but the application process was very difficult. It was only available online which yeah the people do and with the library shut down yeah people had no access to the internet provide clear evidence like a bunch of evidence with pay stubs and yeah it was a hugely complicated process and then appointments ran out within hours yeah of them accepting applications and so you know yes there are barriers and complexities and details and all of that to try to carry out something like a city or countywide stimulus program, but it's more than just that. It's not supporting mask wearing. It right. is, you know, um, going against public health and public safety. Um, uh, what's the word? regulations suggestions and guidelines and things you know it's literally standing against and saying you know we we support what the cdc says but 
do what you want. You know, right. we're not going to hold in people the name to of, this. In the name of, like, stimulating the economy. In the name of commerce, we are going to sacrifice in, citizens. Uh, real, real individuals. Real yes. people. Yes. And it's, it's horrific. And I know our experience is not singular. It's not unique. And that's terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. The world a weekend was very different than what it is now. You know, we, I know for, for myself, but for us, we're no longer saying it'll probably be over in insert length of time. We're ready. <laughs> yeah. We're ready for the long haul. Yeah, it's and it stinks that we've kind of been forced into we no longer can try to be hopeful about this. We can only do our part as best we can, which I feel like this entire experience is almost like a lesson or a teaching of empathy and caring mm-hmm. for others more than you care for yourself because that's what wearing a mask that, is, I was know? about to say that's exactly wearing a mask it is not to protect yourself it is to protect the people around you that you do and do not know if you yeah when I see I mean I work in a restaurant and all the time <laughs> oh the stories I could have a podcast just about the stories I have of the pandemic and working in a restaurant but mm. people come in every day and they say things like they're going to sue me for oh, they some get reason, so angry. They're going to we're we're infringing upon their rights by not wearing a mask. And it's like, when did individualism and caring for yourself and what is your rights and stuff like that come more become more important than collectivism and working for each other? Well, I mean, that's a whole lesson in sociology of North America, right there. But um, I th- it's been such a crazy experience watching you work in a restaurant because I grew up in a restaurant it's a it's a situation it's an environment that's very comfortable it's to me but it's so different now and it, it's not just people getting mad and and verbally threatening it's physical aggression yeah. it's it's people literally walking up and physically intimidating you somebody showed me his gun yes in a public <laughs> right, you know like and it's like okay yes like the right Over to open carry and whatever but and it's just insane the um, the lengths that people are going to now because they feel like their rights are being infringed upon when really it's do you wear a seatbelt you know do you you know do you follow basic traffic laws do you and it's crazy because the seatbelt I mean that's to protect yourself but that think is about, to protect yourself and people about, still fought it no, so right. hard when Volvo I think it was Volvo yeah. that um patented the well they didn't even patent it they freely gave it to other automobile manufacturers but when they rolled out the three the three um prong but yeah whatever it's called harness they called it the safety belt or the safety harness when they rolled that that out people were so angry that how dare you that makes driving not fun and blah 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 and now yes it is a law but before it became law it was also public practice i just think that like people need to take a deep breath and think about if you are right at the end of all of this, if it comes out that, oh, it was, you know, masks didn't have any effect at all. Congratulations. I commend you on your intuition, I guess. Wouldn't you want to try? But if it's, but if you are wrong Mm -hmm. as the Mm anti-masker and you go out spreading this like a wildfire and potentially killing people just by living your daily life without this piece of fabric on your mouth, Mm -hmm. then you have to live with that, you know? Well, and I don't understand the people that complain about the, the health issues, you know, masks are prevent me from breathing masks do this, masks do that. First of all, healthcare professionals (laughs) wear masks all day, every day, and they are fine. No. (laughs) Second of all, I will openly admit when I first started started having to wear a mask, like going to the store, it was so hard because I did. I felt very uncomfortable. It's, it, but it's psychological. It's a hundred, and that's where I was going. It's a hundred percent psychological. I personally don't like things touching my face. Right. So that was my barrier. I had to get over the fact that can I? If I pull my shirt over my nose, can I breathe? Yes. But if I pull my shirt over my nose. 
I know I'm allowed to pull it down. With the mask, I knew that I had to keep it on. Yeah. And my brain was telling me it was difficult, but you just take some deep breaths. You just think about the true reality of your situation, not what your brain is trying to fool you into panicking about. Right. And you move on. Because at the end of the day, if you think that it is harder for you to breathe in the grocery store as an anti-masker, think about how hard COVID patients right now are having to breathe. They need freaking ventilation we're running out of ventilators right we are in a national deficit of ventilators and ignorant must you be but that's that's all i gotta say i i mean i don't want to i don't want to make this entire thing about the (laughs) (laughs) anti-mask but um yeah so a weekend was rough especially looking back being like wow that wasn't that rough right (laughs) compared to now um, I wanted to bring there up... There was no toilet paper. But there was no which, toilet why? paper. Which, why? Why? I will... Just a quick little thought. I will never understand people who drain resources because they have the financial ability to, to do so, knowing that they are putting others either in harm's way or right. at a deficit. I will never understand the people that went and hoarded toilet paper. Or just diapers. Be, just be, oh, don't that, get me started on the me diapers. So upset. I work with moms and babies. Our diapers were worth their weight in gold right. because moms couldn't get a hold of them. You know, I was telling moms, hey, I know you don't like the idea of it, but maybe cloth diapers are a way to go because they could not get a hold right, of right. diapers. And even cloth diapers became very difficult to get a hold of. Definitely. And you see people on the news and on the internet, you know, with their hoard of toilet And it's like, you know, we bought a slightly larger pack of toilet paper maybe than we usually do. But we didn't buy more than one because right. we don't we don't need it, you know. It's ridiculous. But anyway, um, I wanted to bring up the uh, act of charades inside the piece. You know, yeah, it's a game and it's used to try to distract people. But I wanted to bring up the idea of the charade of the government that we experience. The charade put on by our government of everything's fine. We know what we're doing. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that of, of that experience? Putting it in the context of what if it was a game? Well, that's how it's being treated mm-hmm. by a lot of people. I mean, the, I'm, there are uh, the leadership that we have. Mm-hmm. It has been proven mm-hmm. that they, you know, waited around and didn't say or reveal anything they said it's like the flu they they did a bunch of stuff that is not okay in regards to letting us know what this is because i mean we live in florida for instance when a hurricane comes everybody knows because the news tells us well we know when the weather looks sketchy over the atlantic because there's so much right emphasis on safety now take that away now, we don't know when a Cat 4 hurricane is coming, and then Ooh. all of a sudden we get smacked, and thousands die, and so many people's homes get Just lost. Just devastation. That happens anyway when a hurricane happens. Imagine not... Being prepared. Nobody being prepared. Yeah. This is exactly that, except we are in month eight of it because of that. Well, and they knew in January how big, how bad this could right. be. It's, it's, and when um, did we shut down? March? Senators knew. Yeah. There are Georgia senators vote in the runoff if you're in Georgia. Georgia senators freaking sold their stocks in mm. certain things and then bought stock in other things be, because they had this in information. January. Yep. It's horrible. You know, acting like we're fine as a population, acting like the that they being... The members of, you know, the governing body right. being fine, acting like this isn't potentially a national disaster, acting like currently it is not a national right. disaster. You know, this is, we have seen death tolls that even the worst estimations were not necessarily close to. And it's horrible to think there are still acting people saying, you know, it's okay because 98% of people recover and it's like, okay, but yeah. 2% is 
215,000 plus individuals. What scares me the most, and we've talked about this, but what really scares me is that so many people are just becoming numb, including myself, you know? I would say the same. It's so scary how, you know, let's think about tragic events in history. Mm -hmm. Let's talk, let's say 9-11. How many did that kill? Three, over 3,000. Between three and 4,000. We are almost 100,000 or we're almost what are we at almost 300,000 deaths in the we, US yeah something like, it's something like that so high I and I would say you know the numbness is there but also the dread of I don't even want to look anymore yeah you know the for my personal life you know COVID has touched my family in right. a couple of different ways but I will also say there are members of my family that have been directly impacted that are not taking the responsibility upon themselves to safeguard themselves their family or the people around them i sincerely do not understand and that's what i don't get is that i am filled with dread thinking about checking that number thinking about checking the numbers in florida of infected cases and of deceased people i i'm filled with so much dread just just checking on it and like how many people need to die before something is done or people start taking this freaking seriously yeah like how how like again anti-maskers and stuff like that how many people do you think you've killed yeah how many people are you responsible for you know they found there have been of more than a few weddings over the course of this year which you know we're planning a wedding i can only imagine how devastating it must be to get through the planning process to be at the end of that journey and be so excited for the end of that journey and then being faced with a pandemic and having to choose what's more important to you. And some people have chosen that the wedding, the actual event is more important to them than postponing. And that has resulted in so many deaths, usually in the case of not people that attended the wedding, but people who came into contact indirectly with attendance of the wedding. So you didn't choose to go to the wedding but someone that you interacted with for a few minutes one day chose to go to a wedding and now you're sick. Right. You know, that's how quickly and, you know, removed this virus spreads. You know, and we're, I think we're constantly trying to find the silver lining, like Alex and Terry talk about. And I think we've, sometimes we've been able to find it and sometimes it changes and sometimes it's hard to find. What has it been like for you trying to find that line of hope? The silver lining. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I mean, there are... It's hard to think of anything as a silver lining mm-hmm. in any of this when it's gotten so bad. But there has been some, you know? I mean, we barely got to spend any time together before this. And mm-hmm. then and then for like six months, <laughs> that's all we did. Now you can't get rid of me because <laughs> I'm always and, and, here. And even now... <laughs> It w- it's still very nice. We get to hang out all the time. And we just get to spend all of our time. I mean, we live together. But but it's we were going from, you know, I get to see you an hour before we have to go to bed. And then I'm up and at work before you're up in the and morning. Then I leave to go and bed, then you know? leave yeah. an hour before I come home. You know, yeah. it's it's it was rough. But now but that, that would that's a silver lining. Earworm is a silver lining. Yeah, for me. this was born of COVID. Right. I mean, without this happening, I don't know if this in this form would have Mm -hmm. happened. I mean, I was interested at the time in non-traditional theater, and I still very much am, Mm -hmm. and accessibility, Mm because I feel like this is a lot more accessible than theater, live theater. Mm -hmm. But this is also the silver lining, because this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, this is a project I'm also very proud about. And I will say, you know, if you guys don't know, if you're not aware, Zach constantly has bright ideas he constantly says right i have (laughs) ideas (laughs) ideas he constantly saying you know what would be cool you know what i haven't seen before or i thought of something the other day do you have a minute or um how would you feel if um are the taglines of my life just today he said you know i think i should start a new project no (laughs) no um and so this was another one of his i thought about have you ever thought about this one stuck 
But for, this one like, I was interested yeah, in. This one stuck <laughs> for like four months and then it stuck off for like three months and now it's back on. And now we're back. Yeah. So, but it's definitely something that I felt very um, proud to be included oh, yeah. in, you know, because, you know, we met each other in high school in theater class. Right. And that was an aspect of our lives. And then we graduate high school and that theater is still your life. It's your career. It's a huge part of what you do and what you're moving towards. And it's not something that I get to be involved in anymore, you know? Um, And that's definitely, that was definitely something difficult for me. So being able to participate in this project has been monumental for me because it's been, it's been an avenue to connect me back to something that I love to do in a way that I control the scenario. And I'm a control freak, but I truly enjoy, you know, I get to do this at home, you know. And with... you, I mean, and you do a lot of the managing. Like, we both so work fun. on the social media, but, like, I'm more of the graphic design. And... I get to everything you read is what I write. So <laughs> <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> but I also get to do that, which is super fun. But I get to do it with my, my best friend. I get to do it with my cats making obnoxious noise in the background. You may have heard a couple jingles in this episode. That is their caller. That is them being... Not their caller. They're callers. They're not just both. <laughs> <laughs> they have their own callers, I promise. It's their get-along caller. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they both have bells, though. <laughs> because they're mischievous to be nice about it but yeah so it's been a really this has also been I think a silver lining for me I think my work is sometimes a silver lining and sometimes the storm cloud right um so that's been and before this experience my work was always like a yay look what I do I have so much fun you know I got bored sometimes but it was always something positive and it's really revealed the complexity of what I do and who I work with um so that's been an interesting experience for me and I think I I view family a lot differently you know yeah growing up I love my I still of course love my family but growing up family was absolutely everything I went to school with my cousins in my in my class in the grade above and below me. That was assistant taught by your mom. <laughs> I had a class that was my mom was the assistant teacher. My aunt is a teacher. You know, um, I went to a church that was sixty percent my family members, right. and the other forty percent I knew those people since I was born. So right. you know, family was truly, truly everything. And so not only have I been cut off from family, but you know, I've gotten to know my family in a way that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise. You know, I've gotten to know some, yeah, I've gotten to know some of the personality characteristics or the likes and dislikes of some of my cousins in a really positive way, you know? So I've had some of them have listened to this podcast and given us positive feedback. And that's so heartwarming because it's very sweet. Yes. Because it's something that means so much to me. It's so nice to have people I love partaking in it and, and enjoying, hopefully enjoying it. Um, but there have been moments where my family members have revealed things about themselves that, that hurts my heart and has been a reality check of, you know, I put them on this, you know, yeah, I put them on this pedestal and I can still love them, but I don't have to idolize them. That's not a requirement of loving them. Um, so that's been really interesting. And then also, you know, my mom has had health complications not related to COVID. Right. And for the first time in my life, being separate from her, you know, living in a different city two hours away. Right. It's been difficult, you know. So this pandemic in a lot of ways have been, have given me the opportunity to do a lot of soul searching. Yeah. And so that's one of those moments of I'm thankful, but I truly wish I could have found these things out a different way. Right. Right. Um, and I think all of those complex ideas and emotions are are highlighted by this piece. Yeah. Um, I feel Alex on a spiritual level currently <laughs> almost every second of my life. Yeah. And so... I get, I get spurts of yeah. where I feel like Alex, but... We do a good job. If, we, if one of us is feeling yeah. like Alex, the other one is usually feel, good at being yeah. Terry. Like, if we're both feeling like Alex on a certain day, I feel like... Bad. That's a very bad combination. Yeah. Well, we felt like Alex today, and we went to Target. So. Yeah. 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 With felt, masks on. Yeah, yes. Wear a wear a mask. 
socially distanced. We literally had to get one thing, but it was a nice little break from this house, yeah. you know. So, but yeah, I ch- I enjoyed reading this piece. Yeah. It was a lot more impactful than I might have given it credit at first, but well, yeah, and when when you're writing about something that is so prevalent in everybody's lives, it's you're gonna be walking a line of it's either gonna be really cheesy or it's going to be. Yeah. You know, well, and it's this a is huge just, responsibility really too. Um, Mr. Stavros, he took on this shared experience. Everyone yeah. has a story of what it was like going through this experience, and he took on that responsibility of telling a story that we could all feel. And and for the most part, people like taking in consuming art when it's relatable. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like the motto for writing or doing comedy is like the only things that are truly funny are relatable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true with this. It's like, it's so, it's so relatable. It's so mm-hmm. unifying. Well, there's a, a quote or a, an idea that you, you say all the time where you have to get people laughing to open yeah. their mouths and then to then feed, feed them, feed them the, the, truth. the truth. And I think this piece does a good job of that, of you get yeah. the, the comic relief, but you also get the hard pill to swallow of they're in the situation that I also lived yeah, through. Yeah, it almost, it's weird. It's almost like you escape through the world of this and then you come back and you say, wait, I'm here too. No, <laughs> Wait, this is the same place. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was interesting. We truly enjoyed it. It was a wonderful, wonderful piece to work on. Oh, yeah. And with that, we bring our first season to a close. This season has been such a wonderful experience for us, and we hope you enjoyed the journey as well. Back in April, I decided in the middle of the afternoon that we should start a podcast, and as usual with my spur-of-the-moment ideas, Elizabeth jumped on it with me. Within a week, we had recorded our first episode and have only grown and learned from there. Every episode has been such a special and valuable experience for us, and we are excited for the future as we are in our planning stage for next season. We wouldn't have been able to do this without the support of our friends and family, our listeners around the world spanning six continents, that sounds crazy to say, and the amazing playwrights that have submitted their work to us. We received submissions from over 50 playwrights, but many of them sent multiple pieces, so the exact number of wonderful work we received has been hard to keep up with. Many of the pieces that we received we weren't able to get to this season, but we got permission from the playwrights and we'll be using them for bonus episodes and next season's lineup. For this season's contributors, we want to thank the Cry Havoc Company, Kit Lavoie, Chris Eli Black, Guadalupe Flores, Sharon E. Cooper, Hyten Davidson, Christian Missinak, James Demps, Aladdin Demps, Brian Champion, Gabriel Hannans, Pete Stavros, Emily Dickinson, Marge Piercy, Anne Sexton, Sylvia Plath, Walt Whitman, William Butler Yates, and of course, Floyd Dell. These individuals, along with our special guests, Spencer Sansom and Jaylamar Morales, made this season possible. We would also like to ask you to go on our social media to see the names of not only the playwrights featured this season, but all of those who submitted work to us. Your art is treasured and appreciated. Thank you guys for all of your support, and we will be back soon.